is The Hill. Talking Rugby League with Sam Perry and Tim Sparks. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Hill. Back for another week, I'm your host, Tim Sparks, and I'm here to talk about the game we love, the code, Rugby League, Rugby Leg, as our chairman calls it, Mungo Ball, as our union counterparts call it, or simply rugby, as the Victorians call it. However you refer to the code or the game, there's plenty happening as we make our way into the finals. Now this week, I'm taking a leaf out of Wayne Bennett's book, alright? I'm keeping things simple here on the podcast. So simple, a la Wayne, not structured, a la Seabold, if you get my drift. I'm going to complete my sets, defend well, play for the bloke next to me. And in this case, the bloke next to me is you, the loyal listener. And I'll play some footy off the back of that. Alright, and by footy, I mean I'm going to give you a wrap around 15. I'm giving a shout out to a bloke doing it tough as I like to do. I've got a text from Pez. We've got Who Would You Rather Be? A pretty good one too, actually, I think. Uh, the Rugby League first names, 31 to 40. And it's actually a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Uh, so there's that to look forward to. Got your issues. Uh, I got some Tiger Corner, uh, which is all pretty grim, I got to say. But there, it's there nonetheless. Bit of history is back. All right. I uh, got some good feedback on it last week, so it's back. Uh, and some listener feedback to round it all out. So an absolute bumper of a show, I'd like to think. All right. So uh, let's get into it. We'll kick it off. Uh, just with a shout out to a bloke doing it a bit tough over there in the UK and it's a good mate of mine, Sam McNeil, and friend of the show uh, and actually the fella that introduced the concept of talking uh, about our favourite rugby league first name. So we've got to be really grateful and thankful uh, to young Maccas over there uh, in the UK. Just doing it a bit tough with COVID uh, from what I've heard, you know, being away from family. Uh, the restrictions and things like that. Uh, we're all doing it tough, mate. Uh, but, you know, sounds like it's, uh, yeah, just hitting you uh, over there in London, mate. So, and on top of that, his dragons aren't going too well. So, look, mate, here to give you a shout out. Hope you're doing all right. You keep your chin up over there. And look, the dragons are still a mathematical chance. All right, don't forget. I know there are, there are a few wins out of the eight, but you never know. There's mathematical uh, possibility and probability of them getting in. And if you know anything about me in maths, uh, that'll probably worry you. But Dean Young's at the helm, okay, with his hat on. And, you know, they get a win this week against the Gold Coast, which they should. And, you know, it could be looking up for you, mate. So you keep your chin up and uh, keep hanging in there. Uh, and and thanks for your listenership too, too, mate. So, so there you go. Uh, if you've got someone out there doing it a bit tough, whether it be a family member, uh, a friend, your good self doing it a bit tough. Someone out there in the public, you can you, you can observe. You know, if you think a player or a coach needs a shout out, a club needs a shout out. I'm I'm open to giving anyone, especially if they're doing it a bit tough in in true rugby league fashion, uh, just a bit of a shout out and some well wishes. So you know how to get in touch with me, uh, and please continue to do so. So for those new to the program. Uh, if you are, warmest of warm, warm welcomes. Thank you for being here and welcome to the Hill. Uh, if you're new, you may not know that it's usually a two-man show here, all right, or a two-person show uh, with my co-host Sam Perry. He's not here at the moment uh, due to some restrictions and having a baby and that sort of stuff. So instead of him being here in person, he sends me a text. Uh 
just to get things going. You know, he likes to get stuck into me a little bit uh, as the, the, the listeners who've been here for a while like to know, likes to test me out, uh, to challenge my theories, uh, to get stuck into me about the way I support the Tigers, just like to get stuck into the Tigers in general. Uh, so we give him a platform to, uh, to, to do all those things uh, in, in good fashion. So here is his text. I'm not going to, I'm not going to comment on the length of it or the, or the way it's written or anything like that. I'm going to lay off him, uh, this week. So here it goes from Sam Perry, Pezza. Hello, Tim. Well, mate, they're well and truly coming around the bend into the home straight, as they say. And we're really starting to sort the wheat Souths from the chaff para, I always thought it was the week and the chaff. So there you go. I've learned something there. Thanks, Pezza. Uh, isn't it exciting? Question mark. Not really. Yeah. Let's avoid the X's and O's, mate, and stick with the issues. This week, I'm looking forward to you feigning sympathy for Seabold, making more apologies for the Tigers, blaming guys like Cleary, Ivan, I'm presuming, uh, avoiding questions over Pangai Jr.'s illegal third-party deals because you couldn't be bothered, reiterating your respect for Blake Green, and so on. Well, the bloke knows me. Uh, the undoubted triumph of last week was a bit of history. Keep that going, but maybe try and understand what you're talking about before raising it. Actually, don't do that. Keep playing your own brand of footy. Move the ball. Get it out wide. Quick play the balls. Enjoy, mate. Well, thanks, Pezza. I uh, appreciate that. Look, we'll try and get to a fair bit of that stuff. I've got some some issues later on. I'll cover some Brizzy stuff, some Seabold stuff. Uh, there could be some Blake Green stuff in there as well, so... Look, thanks for thanks for that um, that bit of dialogue, mate. And um, I hope you're well out there, Pezza. So, thank you, mate. Uh, and we'll yeah, we'll get right into it now. So, we'll just quickly run through round fifteen, just in case uh, you missed it over the week, and you, you or even if you just want a bit of a refresher, you know, heading into in around sixteen, we had Para take care of Melbourne, fourteen nil. So. You know, Parra look to be coming back. I still don't think that's going to be the case, but you know, a good win to them nonetheless. Uh, defensive display too, which was was interesting, uh, given that you, you hear a lot, you associate Parra with uh, attack. But we talked about the defence last week, so that's pretty good. Melbourne kept a zero for the first time. I think it was like the, the only it's only it's only happened five times or something like that. They were missing almost everyone, I think, in the sense of Cameron Smith, Munster. Jerome Hughes, Fanukan, Bromwich. Uh, there was a couple more too. Well, Vunavalu, obviously. So as soon as they get troops back, they'll be fine. Uh, and I'm still tipping them to win the comp. Penrith did a very fine job over Cronulla. They're looking very good. And in, in homage of Penrith, I'm going to do a who would you rather be to, to celebrate how well they get. The only sad thing about Penrith going so well this year, apart from the Ivan Cleary stuff, obviously, is just that it's happening under the, the COVID restrictions and the limited capacity. Like, I, I think we could all agree that seeing... Um, uh, Panthers Stadium or Penrith Park or whatever it's called, full, especially on an afternoon game on a Sunday, is a is a is a, a very, it's a great sight. We all love seeing that. So it's just a bit sad that you don't you're not seeing that that venue at, at full capacity. I went there for the first time a couple of years ago. Really enjoyed it. If you, if you have never been out to Panthers Stadium, uh, do yourself a favour and get there. Cronulla, uh, Slavin beat a top eight side. So hopefully for the Tigers, that continues to happen and we might be able to sneak over them. Uh, Saints got the win over Brizzy. Brizzy, Brizzy looked a bit better, uh, obviously, but still, you know, 
I mean, nowhere near what people expected them to be. That that Stags try was obviously great. Uh, but Saints under the... I guess that was Dean Young's first game, wasn't it? So he's one from one. So good, good luck to Dino. Uh, up there in Brizzy, Canberra smashed Gold Coast. Uh, they're, they're, they're looking better and better each week, aren't they, the Raiders? Uh, and the Titans, well, yeah, probably just lack a couple of good players... I guess uh, Roosters pumped the Tigers, let's be honest. I mean, there was that little bit of period of time after halftime where the Tigers sort of came and made it 20-12. to 12. I really think what summed the Tigers up uh, was when they were coming at them 20-12, to 12, you know, another try and they would have really come back into the game. Then uh, Tommy Talao intercepts that ball from the wing there, which is good, great play. But for a winger, a young winger, I just don't understand why he's not faster. Uh, But just being run down by about five Roosters players and not having one Tigers guy back him up because they're not quick enough to keep up with him. I think it really demonstrated a lot about where the Tigers are at and where the Roosters are at. That whole game, I think, actually just demonstrated what a really strong club looks like and what a club with a lot of, realistically, with a lot of problems... Uh, looks like, and it all comes down to like the roster and the players. You know, the the Roosters were missing that many players, ten or eleven regular first graders. They can bring other guys in that can do the job. They can play in positions that they should be playing in. Uh, their their roles are defined really clearly, and they can just slot in and, and play because they have a style uh, off the back of having consistency with coaching. Whereas the Tigers, you're sort of looking at you know. Got guys filling in in different positions, Embi in the centres, for example, and uh, things just looking out of whack everywhere and just not quite good enough. And even though they might be able to get it close for a little bit, it just sort of blew out and the defence is uh, quite alarming again for the Tigers. But I'll address a bit more of that in Tiger Corner as I usually do. South Sydney, well, I'm not even going to do the tape recorder stuff this week where I've said, you know, Oh, Souths are sort of impressing... Or not, sorry, the Souths are winning but not really impressing me. Well, they impressed me. Uh, good on them and good luck to them. I mean, it was 38-0 at halftime or something. Some people are talking about that being the perfect half of footy. I think Wayne Bennett said it was the best favourite game he's ever coached or something like that. So, and I'll just be clear on this. I never had an issue with the Souths back line. I, I've always thought that was what was going to work for them. You know, with Walker, Reynolds, Luttrell, uh, Johnson, and the other guys they have in the back line there. Gag, like, great back line. Corey Allen, a couple other young guys there. Uh, and Cook at, at Hooker. Always knew that that, that stuff was, uh, that was good to go, really. Uh, needed Luttrell to settle into the fullback role, which looks like he's doing more each week. Uh, but it was always the forwards that concerned me. Uh, you know... But all of a sudden, it's starting. They're starting to not be a be a concern, you know. Cameron Murray's going well. Burgess, uh, Bailey Saronin are going really well there as well for them. So, you know, Wayne Bennett obviously knows what he's doing, you know. So maybe it might be time for me to start going. You know what? The bunnies might have something about them. Uh, don't know if they can sneak into the top four. That's going to be the problem. I think, because um, depending on what happens this week, even if they win, I think they'll be on 20 points. And so there'll still, there'll still be a win out. I think the top, yeah, I think three sides are guaranteed to be in the four, which is Penrith, Melbourne, Para, uh, 
and then or maybe they could be making maybe they can ch- challenge the Roosters and the Raiders there for fourth spot because as we know, uh, no side has won the competition uh, from anywhere lower than fourth place. So very important to be in the top four. That's why I bang on about it a bit there. Good on the Warriors for getting over the Dogs. Uh, I think the Dogs just want that season to be over. Uh, yeah, for for them, good on the Warriors. Todd Payton. Really enjoying Todd Payton in the in the box, actually. Really like standing up for a lot of the, the game, like finding it very difficult to watch. I think, you know, being obviously the former player that he was and coming into coaching. Um, yeah, it, it looks like he, he finds that part of it. Like he's very got really clear, like really smart, astute game plans and things that he wants to happen. And then when he realized, you know, part of coaching, he's not being able to do anything out there on the field, I guess. And... Uh, just watching him deal with that, I, I, I quite like. He's quite um, animated up there. So that's that's what I'm enjoying about the Warriors. But I'm also just enjoying the way they're playing. Uh, two of us, Ashek. Just I never get sick of watching him play. Uh, Nick Arima's going well for them as well. Um, so as is Peter Hiku. Like he's he's been really good the last um, four or five weeks, which I think. I don't, you might have to fact check me, pick me up on this, but I think it might be on the back of his family joining him up there in the bubble. I don't know, but I could be wrong on there. And then the Knights got the job done against uh, North Queensland. I guess that's what the Knights are doing at the moment, getting the job done. Uh, They might be out to sneak themselves into the top four as well if they have a win uh, all over the Warriors this week. Could be a good game up there in Tamworth. So, yeah. And um, the Cowboys are, are really struggling. You know, struggling for points more than anything. Obviously, it was 12-0, but I think still think they're defending well. Uh, the Cowboys there. That's your wrap uh, in, in, in case you needed it. Um, so from there, we'll get on to who would you rather be. And again, if you're joining us for the first time, who would you rather be? Just a, a quick little game that Pez and I usually play with each other uh, where bloke with the same name, first or last name, uh, and we just simply just say, who would you rather be? Uh, so, in honour of the Panthers going really well, alright, and one for the Panthers fans out there, I've got what I thought was going to be a tricky one, it still might be, uh, but the more I looked into their careers, it actually became really easy for me. Uh, so, it, it doesn't matter, alright, uh, I'm not going to try and, I don't want to implement my bias onto you, alright, we're going to play this game uh, myself and, and, and you guys, the listeners out there. So who would you rather be, people? Would you rather be Luke Rooney or Luke Prittis? Yeah, so um, cast your mind back, I guess, to 2003. That's where my mind goes straight up is to that 2003 premiership. Now, so the good thing about this is whoever you decide to be, whether it be Prittis or Rooney, you've got your hands on that 2003 premiership trophy. You know, you've got to beat the Chooks uh, in that game. Obviously, if you're Prittis, you've got a Churchill medal around your neck as well. All right? Did Rooney score a try? I can't remember. Doesn't really matter, I don't think. Prittis has got the Churchill medal if you want to just go that bit more, uh, you know, uh, or just had that little bit more extra the night of the 03 grand final. But picture yourself, you're in that. That was such a good jersey they wore that year. Just that plain black. Uh, still had a collar on it, so you've still got a jersey with a collar on it, which I think... Uh, is is a, is a good thing, 
you know, just have a think of, you've got a call, you know, to me sort of t-shirt type jerseys at the moment. Uh, so, you know, you've got a, either a white or a black collar, depending on the, on the strip they're wearing, just with those, uh, the licorice all sort colors striped, um, just in the middle of your torso there. It's fantastic. Just either plain black or plain white, just a ripping jersey. Uh, Using the word ripping there too. I might have spent too much time down here in uh, in Victoria. Apologies for that. But um, yeah, look. So you've got that either way. But the thing is with Pritis. Here, I'm going to go through Pritis's career. Because I go straight away with Pritis. I go straight away to Penrith. Where he had 160 games. And I go to Brisbane. I associate his Brisbane with like just a, maybe a year or two. Yeah, wrong. 79 games. So 99, three or four seasons. Including the 99 Premiership. Sorry, sorry, the 2000 Premiership. 2000 Premiership against uh, the Roosters there. So you've got that if if you're going down the Pritis Avenue. If you're going down, yeah. Um, That sort of look. You're in the hooking role. That that appeals to me. Uh, You're in the hooking role. Not only have you played for the Broncos, but you start your career at the Raiders. You start your career in the Raiders Super League years. Now, I don't know. I'm, as you know, I'm a pretty rusted on fan. I did not know that. I'll put my hand up there and go, I learned something today, which is good, you know, because, um, you know, I'm here to learn and develop my sort of league knowledge uh, here on the hill as much as I'm sure everyone else is. So, yeah, um, yeah, 44 games for the Canberra Raiders. All right, he had an Australian Super League uh, match, two games for New South Wales Super League. In that era, I just, it doesn't, that didn't register with me. Am I like really missing something there? Uh, I'd, I'd love to know, let me know. But then he goes on to play an actual Australian game with an actual jersey, not a stupid league jersey. 2005, he got that. 2005, how did he get the, if he was playing for Australian 05, gee, the Tigers got stitched up in 05 with no Australian representation. Anyway, uh, New South Wales, three jerseys from 98 to 01 and a couple of country origins. 315 games around your career out in St. George, 29 to 2010. I don't think he played. Um, when they won the comp there, not playing the Dragons Victoria's Grand Final squad. He missed a golden opportunity, won three Grand Finals. Yeah, but he was in the mix when they won it. Um, so yeah, wow. That's I mean that's a great career, isn't it? But you know if you want to be Rooney, now here's this: so you're one club player. For an NRL club, for the Panthers, 140 games, 65 tries. Um, big, tall winger too, you know. Just, you know, he had that massive fend on him, running down, you know, uh, the try lines of Penrith Park back when Luke Lewis was on the other wing, um, you know, back there sort of in the early 2000s. You had 140 games, three games for um, City, New South Wales, all right? So you're in City country, which is great. You got your five games for New South Wales, 0405, so you're winning games. Uh, part of a winning series there, I would have thought. Uh, that was the Joey Johns era's game as well. I wonder if he got was part of that. That would be pretty good to be part of that 05 Johns game. Uh, and then six shirts for jerseys for Australia, 04 to 05. Shirts, that's a bit of soccer chat. I don't know what's going on in my language at the moment. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'm happy with it. But anyway, uh, apologies for that. But then he goes on, and he, he starts his union career, all right? The 15-man game uh, at Toulon. He has two stints at Toulon, so in France, 08 to 10, then 11 to 13. Not heaps, heaps. 10 games for the Melbourne Rebels in 2011. I don't know if that's their inaugural year. You get to do that, experience what it's like to actually play rugby uh, in Melbourne. 
the actual game called rugby, not rugby league that they call rugby as well, but you play rugby for the Rebels. Uh, and then you go back to league at the end of it all and play for Salford. It's interesting he never got picked up with another league club. I don't know what that was about because he was a really good player. But, you know, if you want to be a try-scoring winger in the 03 Grand Final, uh, one-club player, then you're all about Rooney, aren't you? All right, which some of you might be. I'm going to go with Prittis. That means I signed with Super League, though, doesn't it? No, nah, I'm Rooney. Oh, well, fuck it. The whole thing became Super League anyway. So, you know, I can't really begrudge him for signing with Super League when the whole game ended up being Super League anyway. When it reformed. It reformed under the... I guess under the the name of the National Rugby League in the ARL, but it was Super League. It was, you know, Murdoch got what he wanted. It less teams, you know, he got it. He got the product on Fox. Bloody everything's through Fox. I watch 360 all the time. I'm I'm there sitting on the couch watching 360 and Paul Kent and Paul Crawley talk about absolutely God knows what some of the time, and I'm having to crack at Luke Prittis for for signing a Super League deal, getting a good deal for his family, running out there and playing a few. Super League test matches and origins with the Raiders. I can't, I, can't, I can't look myself in the mirror and have a problem with him doing that when I'm downstairs, you know, watching 363 nights a week. So I'm Prittis after all that. All right, I'm going to be Prittis. Um, and I'm a bit un- uncomfortable about that. But yeah, that's that's just how... That's, that's the way I'm going with it, okay? Um, I expect some feedback on that. And it's and if I'm out of line there, then pick me up on it, and that's fine. Um, but I'm gonna be I'm gonna be Prittis. a fine career, not a slight against Rooney. If you've got a suggestion for who would you rather be, send it in. If you want to pay homage to a team doing well, send it in to a team doing poorly. If you just got a couple of couple of league players that you want to talk about that they've got the same name, get in touch. You know where to find me on the Facebook page, direct messages, my mobile number, whatever you got. Uh, let me know. All right. Okay, we're here. Uh, And who would have thought that, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we just get an honest question from a bloke, you know, oh, mate, do you fancy counting down the top, you know, top, you know, your your favorite names in uh, rugby league? To think that all that it started by just that little question, uh, that we'd be here about a month later, uh, going through names 31 to 40. Who would have thought, eh? Um, but here we are. And now, a couple of things I want to talk about this week's uh, little slot of 31 to 40. Uh, if you're just with us, uh, we're counting down our favourite. Well, I'm counting down my favourite, really. I say our because we've got some collaboration this week. Uh, our our favourite first names uh, from the code. So we've got through a lot already. So you want to go through the back catalogue, uh, go through the last three episodes and you'll find them. Uh, but I mean, yeah... Just, I thought it was going to be really hard. I sat down to do this uh, this morning and I thought it would be hard, but gee, uh, turned out that it was actually not that hard and there's, believe it or not, been some oversights, okay? So the the, the general principle around this was that, uh, one, uh, it was a strongly used name in league, you know? So I wasn't allowed to Google, I wasn't allowed to type in a name and Google them and go, oh yeah, there are actually a fair few plays. It had to be sort of front of mind stuff, you know? Uh, and then the second part of it was that they were names that you hear mostly in league and not as much outside, you know, uh, the general community, right? So, for example, uh, there are about 10 teams, 
in my high school uh, grade. And then I think when I went to uni, there were even more. All right, there were Tim's bloody everywhere. All right, so whilst, you know, we've got Tim Brasher and, you know, um, blokes like him, actually maybe not a lot of Tim's come to think of it. But anyway, the point is that, that Tim's used a lot outside league. Uh, so it, it's hard for him to get a start. Obviously, it's subjective, okay? Um, you know, because whilst there may not be a lot of... There may, maybe there'll be a lot of Tim's in my life. In your life, you, the listener, I'm just talking to you, you know? There, there may not be a lot in yours. So I, I understand that that's been tricky for some people, okay? But here we go. 31 to 40, and I have, uh, I have listened to a few of you um, on this. All right, so you might see your, your suggestion pop up in this little series here. All right, out, no further ado. 31 is Ryan, okay? And I've gone, you know, Ryan Pappenhausen, Ryan Hall, Ryan Sutton, Ryan Girdler, Ryan Madison, the bastard, uh, Ryan James, Andrew Ryan, Peter Ryan. Just think it's, it's, it's very well in there uh, and has been for some time. I think I've, I've missed a few there too. So Ryan's in at 31, uh, now Slam JL, he's got in touch with me last week and we had some, um, we had some good dialogue over this. Um, you know, we saw, I sort of, we, we almost were entering into disagreeing and committing territory, but he's, he's been at me for Paul. All right. He's been at me for a few weeks. Uh, and he basic, I basically just read out his list. He's like, mate, you, you're, you're kidding yourself with your Gregs. They're everywhere. Uh, a dime a dozen, I think his words were. Um, he's like, Paul, Paul, you've got to respect Paul. He's like, Paul Langmack, Melor, Harrigan, Vaughan, Green, Sirenin, Momorowski, Fatawira. Uh, and look, it was a compelling case he put forward and that's why it's in there at number 32. All right. I, he, I had a few Pauls in my life here and there. My dad's name was Paul, for example. Uh, a few other guys hanging around, uh, with the name Paul too. But again, you know, that's just an individual thing, isn't it? I threw in Paul Hoff too. I think that was, um... Someone that really should be uh, acknowledged in this list. So, look, Slam, I hope you're happy with that. 32. Uh, 33 is Scott. Okay. Uh, and again, obviously, we've, we've gone through a lot. So, we're starting to get, you know, some bit more common names. But, you know, we've got Scott Goulet, Petherbridge, Scott Geddes, Scott Drinkwater, uh, Matt Scott, Curtis Scott, Scott Prince, Scott Meany. It's pretty good, you know. Scott Mann, <laughs> I didn't even have my list. What a player, uh, you know. So yeah, look, I think I'm, I'm I'm comfortable with that. Now 34 is Jared. Okay. Uh, now I've gone Jared McCracken, Jared Hain, Jared Croker, Jared Crocker, Jared Samet, Jared Mullen, and Tim Stewart's got in touch and asked me what I've thought about uh, Jared Hickey, former Canterbury player that played about 60 odd games from in the early. Uh, I guess 2010s or 20-teens, however you describe it. Well, they're my thoughts on Hickey. That's the sort of company I associate Hickey in. McCracken, Crocker, Croker, Mullen, Hain. That's, that's interesting company. Uh, uh, he belongs in the conversation, you know, with those sorts of blokes. Uh, uh, Hickey for me. Uh, yeah. Anyone that plays in the Canterbury Park, I reckon is worthy of some sort of respect. Maybe not so much now, but even now, actually. Like, there's... And Hickey apparently was famous for, for brushing El Masri in his last game, uh, where I think Hickey makes a break, the try line's open, and El, and El Masri's next to him uh, to score a try in his last game, and Hickey famously like didn't pass to him and scored himself because uh, he wanted to get off the duck and avoid a nudie run. So don't have a big problem with that. I reckon El Masri got his fair, fair share of tries. 
uh, in there. But Hickey, Hickey's in there with Jared. And he, he, different spellings, I get it, but we're just going with the name Jared. Uh, 35 is Matthew, and that's full name Matthew. I'm not talking about Matt or Maddie. I'm talking about full name Matthew. Uh, and I want to talk about a little bit... I should have... Yeah, I, I should have made this flow a bit better, but uh, Matthew Johns, Matthew Rodwell, Matthew Bell, Matthew Elliott, Matthew Ridge, Matthew Ryan. Go on, Matthew. And I'm almost going to say that the Matthews of the league world overshadowed, overshadowed the Mats. And I'm going to need your feedback on that. But I'm starting to get this theory that league likes a full name. Now I haven't put Jonathan in here this game, this 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 little run. I might have to uh, tie him over for forty-one to fifty. But have a think about that. You're Jonathan docking. More Jonathans than Johns. You know, we talked about Kevin over Kevy the other day. There was another one too. Can't remember. Bradley over Brad, perhaps. I don't know. Lee just seems like a full name. I'm not sure. Am I right about that or wrong? Get in touch. Let me know. Matthew Johns was always Matthew when he's playing. Matty became his um his media persona. Just for the just for people out there that don't realise that. It was always Matthew. Andrew and Matthew. Imagine if it was Andy and Maddie. Maddie Maddie Johns and Andy Johns. <laughs> um I don't know. A bit of a ring to it. Andy Joey Johns. Anyway, um, now 36, this is massive. And probably, this probably is the best name out there. And it's, and it's used out in the community a bit more, in my life anyway. Uh, but just have a listen to this. Have a listen to Jason Smith, Jason Ouch, and Jason Taylor, Jason Sinclair. No, it's a different spelling, same name. Jason Twist, Jason Weber. Uh, Jason Stevens, Jason Riles, Jason King, Jason Clark. Uh, what's that one? Jason Hetherington? Is there a Jason Hetherington? No. Shit, I can't read it. Jason Deeth, Jason Lowry, former Kiwi uh, who played for the Tigers, maybe a bit of the Roosters. Jason Moody, Jason Martin. Um, I mean, that's got to, like, re- when we when we, like, actually, you know... Break it all down. What I mean, what that's almost a side. In, in, in like we've almost got all our positions covered too. What is that? It's not Jason Hetherington. What have I written there? Okay, I'll get back to you if I work it out. Uh, but that's got to be. I mean, get in touch if you disagree. But I mean, probably missed a few too, as I usually do. Thirty-seven. I've gone with Albert. Albert Kelly, Albert Fulavie, Albert Vetti, Darren Albert, Wellington Albert. What do you reckon? I really base it on the on the on the back of. I mean, I've not heard of one AFL player called Albert. I haven't heard of a cricket player called Albert. But you get some league guys with Albert. So I think it's worth a. I think it's worth a mention. Um. One day I was uh, I was standing at Leichhardt Over with a few mates in this spot I usually uh, stand just in the concourse there. Simon Wolford was down on the he was doing the the like the sideline commentary. This would have been I don't know ten years ago, uh, and I just simply uh, called out to him and said, um, "Albert Fulavie or uh, Brett Hetherington." 
uh, as he was looking at us. And he sort of paused for a minute. Um, and he's just simply said, uh, Hetherington. So there you go. Sure, surely not, not, a, not a slight on full of eye because he did think about it. Um, but we're not talking about Brett, we're talking about Albert. So I think that, that deserves a mention. Now, 38 is a bit of a, um, an old school one, but it's Frank. Frank Stanton, you know, one of the, apparently the great coaches there was. Frank Hyde, if it's long enough, if it's high enough, it's straight between the posts. Frank Burge, who apparently, he was like this guy, Frank Burge. Um, oh, where have I got it here? I had it somewhere. I've got so many things saved in in my phone tabs here for a bit of history and all sorts of stuff. Anyway, he, he was one of the founding guys. Like, I think he was born in like 1890, maybe 1890 or something like that and played like right at the start. It was apparently an awesome second rower. And also Frank Stokes that had, um, you know, probably about 50 games for, for Manly in the 90s there. So, I, I, look, I put Frank in there. Um, yeah, and I've gone with quality over quantity there. And again, I'm not hearing a lot of Franks out there. Um, but again, that's my life. Now, 39, this could have been and should have been higher is Trent. All right, because we're, li- we're, we're thinking Trent Waterhouse. This, listen to this um, uh, array of names. Trent Merrin, Trent Barrett. Don't forget Trent Cutler for the Bulldogs or Trent Runciman for the Tigers there in the early 2000s. And he's, uh, probably a teammate of Trent Runciman was, is Trent Robinson. And he can coach the Trent side. Um, and yeah, not hearing heaps of Trent's you know, in my circle. Anyway, if you've seen the Matthew Nabel movie, The Final Winter, essentially about two brothers playing rugby league in the 80s, I guess. One for Newtown, one for St. George. One of them's called Trent, you know. So, Nabel, like, obviously knew that, you know, Trent was a, uh, you know, a really strong league name. So, there it is, 39. That, sh- that probably should have been higher. That could have even been in the top 10. Uh, but we've missed that one there. And now 40 is Anthony. That's another one going for the full name, not Tony. All right, Anthony. I'm talking Anthony Kalia, Anthony Seabold, topical. Anthony Don, Anthony LaFranchi, Anthony Minicello. Um, solid league name there, I reckon. At number 40, could, could be higher. Uh, and yeah, just that thing with like Matthew Anthony. Uh, Jonathan might be next. There's more Anthony's than Tony. Anthony Mundine, for goodness sake. But there you have it. That's 31 to 40. Now, thanks to Tim Stewart, to Slam JL for getting involved. Tim didn't really know he was getting involved in the name game, but uh, he's found himself involved, so I hope that's okay. Um, And Slam JL for getting in touch and getting involved in this. Keep coming with it. James Payton, actually, he was the bloke that got in touch um, last time about a couple of names. I think he suggested Jared as well, so... Uh, right on there. Um, we're going 41 to 50, and then I'll just put this to bed after that. All right, I'll put I'll put the name game to bed uh, from there because I think probably 50 will do us. And then we can have a bit of fun with something else after that. I mean, what do you reckon? Does it sound all right to you? If it sounds all right, then sweet, don't let me know. I'll just assume everything's good and we'll carry on. You've got a major problem with me going through 41 to 50. Get in touch and just... Just be honest with me, you know, just be level with me. Look me in the eye and go, yeah, mate, that's enough of it. You know, no more. All right. And I'll be happy to front up and go, yep, look, I'll I'll listen to the fans. Uh, And you've said that's enough. Um, And I'll I'll, I'll lay it to bed. Um, But otherwise, I'll be counting them down. Okay. uh, What are we going to do from here? Um, All right. We'll get (sighs) sort of torn between 
a couple of things. Um, all right, we'll get look. We'll get through the issues. Okay. Um, Pezza doesn't want X's and O's. Why is X's and O's the the the, the um like the the phrase that everyone's using this year? X's and O's. I don't even really understand it to be honest. Like I. I know, like, X's and O's usually refers to, like, the finer details of things. I guess people are saying they don't want the final details of of the game, like, uh, and things like that. They want they want the broader stuff. Um, but, yeah. Anyway, Pezza, I'm, I, what I'm doing is I'm listening to you, okay? We're going to talk some issues. All right. Uh, I've got uh, one, two, well, I've sort of got three things. I've got three things to get through. All right. Um, and look, we'll start it off with Seabold. Okay, so finally, uh, it came to an end. The Seabold stuff, the the Brisbane stuff. I'm um, sure you have all heard by now that uh, Anthony Seabold, I guess, essentially resigned um, before he was pushed, as the old saying would be. Um, he jumped before he was pushed. So and they settled on a, an agreement and all that sort of stuff. And point is, he won't be coaching the Broncos uh, anymore. Pretty weird um, press conference, I thought. All in all, more from um, Paul White than Anthony Seabold. I thought Seabold held himself all right. Um, uh, Paul White was pretty all over the place. He managed to talk a lot without actually saying much at all I thought but um I guess on that side of things though I mean what I mean what's he meant to say he's like yeah I got it wrong I should never have appointed him in the first place that's a pretty harsh thing to say to someone when they're when they've just lost their job so I guess that's the other side of it to Paul White uh yeah look it's funny like the Seabold stuff is like Pezza and I talked about this with this show like started it feels like a bloody lifetime ago with the kind of year we've had but all the way back before round one, when like footy was being played just properly and coronavirus was all in front of us. Um, and we were talking about Seabold because he, you know, had some different theories and he's got a, a different way of going about things. He talks differently. Um, he's clearly a really smart guy, he's an intellectual guy. Um, and I think he likes to challenge the way that rugby league is usually played. Like he doesn't, you know, that whole Wayne Bennett thing of just, you know, make your tackles and play for the bloke next to you and control the ball and you'll win the game. Um, I guess he feels there's more to it than that. And the fact that he's been an assistant coach at successful clubs like Melbourne and South would suggest that he does, like some of his theories are are relevant and they're meaningful and they're helpful. Um, but yeah, whether or not it was the right fit for the Broncos, fuck I don't really know. Um, turns out it's not. The weirdest thing for me, uh, there's, there's heaps of weird stuff that's happened in this. The weird thing is that it was going so well for like those first two rounds. Like they, that's what you sometimes forget. Like they were, they played really, really well. The first, and I think actually in the first week back. Um, but yeah, it just seemed like guys were out to get him the whole time. Uh, the whole former player thing, which again, it's something that I like about footy, all right, because that's what all clubs have is they have former players and they have history um, that people like to hold on to, that people like to have opinions about. Your, you know, your local footy clubs and stuff have that and people that still like talking about the same shit that used to happen, and um, which is all well and good. And it, it, it does demonstrate that it is a footy club after all. Like it's a football club, like it's, 
it's not a business or an organization. It's a, it's a sports club. Um, and it's filled with players that are current players. It's filled with former players. Some that, you know, uh, had a happy career, you know, some, um, you know, had a, I guess they have hangups around their career and they have, they're a bit bitter towards their club. So if they want to talk about it, they're going to talk poorly. Like, Look at Gordon Tallis, you know, you, you want to hear something negative about Brisbane, just go to Gordon Tallis because he's filled up with Wayne Bennett and he's, he's got a few problems um, that he hasn't mended, you know. And so obviously there's always going to be bitterness, you know, so I can't see him ever having anything good to say about the Broncos. So, you know, the media know where to go for, for negativity and that's him, I guess. Uh, anyway, I don't really know what I'm talking about here. I think, I think it was unfair people said Seabold was... Um, he wasn't authentic enough uh, in his press conference. That's bullshit. He was authentic. I think he just wasn't the p- type of person that rugby league media in particular wanted him to be, you know. Rugby league media love the fronting up stuff. They love the, you know, oh, yeah, well, mate, I'm just going to front up and go, well, you know, yeah, we just got, we played bad, we got beat, and, you know, I'm, I'm not going to coach him anymore. Or just go out and coach me last game and have a beer and, and, and that'll be it, you know. They like that because it doesn't challenge anything. It doesn't, it doesn't make them question anything and they can just, you know, Keep going on and, you know, stay in their lane and not have to think about anything. But Seabold comes out and he, he references, like, his education career because that's who he is. He's an educator. Like, that, he's, he's worked in that. That's a big part of his coaching philosophy, his education. Um, so he referenced that. Uh, he talked to the human side of it. Um, he talked to the to blood in young blokes because uh, that's obviously something he believes in. Uh, so I think he was extremely authentic. He just didn't fit the mould of what rugby league... Um, wanted wanted him to be, um, and sadly that's that's cost him his job. Um, it's hilarious that those same kind of people are all pushing Kevin Walters uh, into the coaching job when I think his overall coaching record overseas in Queensland Origin is thirty seven percent win win strike rate. Now I like Kevin Walters, I really like Kevin Walters. Doesn't mean he's a good coach, you know. It's all these people going, oh well, I think it should be Kevy because he's won six premierships as a as a player, mate. You know, you want him as a player. What he's not pulling the boots on. He's not. He's not coming in to play five eight, which you obviously need someone to do. Uh, he's going into coach, but it, it just it, it it baffles me that people don't understand this in this day and age. Like Australian coaching is just so far off the pace with what the rest of the world is doing. And Seabold is in line with a lot of the stuff that was going on overseas. Um, and has an understanding of coaching in general. And anyway, it sounds like it'll be Kevy, and I guess the positive of that is it goes back to being Brisbane. He brings a whole cohort of people with him, and maybe they start winning again. I don't know. Honestly, yeah, that's uh, that, what it would actually probably be really good. It's not going to happen, but he's having Kevin Walters at the front and then Seabold to the side, where you can have Kevin Walters, you know, keeping them upbeat, enjoying footy, keeping it a bit simple at times, being the face of it all, bringing in a few former players, and then have Anthony Seabold to the side um, where he can go, oh, mate, we, if we train this way, you know, we'll get an edge here and here's a new way of playing, and, you know, if we attack this way. and um, Yeah, I, I think that would actually probably work. And you, you'd imagine, you know, that's why I think Seabold and Madge would have worked really well together um, when they did. Uh, and even Seabold and Bellamy, because you have the intensity and the simplicity in a lot of ways of Maguire and Bellamy um, with a guy like Seabold. But anyway, um, hope he gets another job somewhere because I think it's it's good to have different styles and theories floating around the code. Uh, anyway, that's enough about that. 
Uh, Robinson calls for more. Okay, yep. Uh, so Trent, I guess Trent Robinson wants more funding into the the coaching programs um, and development. Um, that was just re- me reading off my notes. Neil Henry said the same thing. Uh, that this is what I wanted to say. Final thing I'll say about the coaching staff is that they they've just paid Anthony Seabold out one point five million dollars. Oh shit! I had this on my phone before. Uh, I'm gonna do it off. Oh, all right, I'm gonna do it here. So one point five million dollars. Okay, so that's how much the Broncos, who I know they get money from bloody Fox, uh, from news and all that rest of it. They also get funding from the NRL. Okay, and the Broncos aren't the only club to have done this this year. I'm getting sick and tired of coaches being punted and then the money being wasted and then the NRL saying, "Oh, we don't have money to do things." All right, so one point five million dollars for a guy to do nothing. All right. For the next, as far as their club goes, to do nothing, one point five million dollars. Okay, so if you divide that by, let's call it sixty-five grand. That's a, that's a fair whack for an entry-level position. Twenty-three, you could pay twenty-three people to work in game development in Queensland, and pay them a pretty decent wage, sixty-five k, um, which is above a lot more of what people in that area can get. Uh, twenty-three, and I think I looked up so there's about like. Towns that have over 5,000 people, uh, there's about 23 of them. I think maybe a few more in Queensland. You could have someone work full-time, live in that area, and develop the game uh, at junior level. They could run programs in schools every single day. Uh, They could work in the coach education um, and development space around clubs. Uh, they could they could help transition kids from school footy to uh, club football and make rugby league so much better. That's just one person, one coach. Yet we just waste all this money away on coaches all the time, and then cry that we don't, you know, um, have enough. It just it just defies logic, and it shits me no end that sports keep putting in all this money at the top. You're not going to have the top without the bottom anyway. It's just a side little note for me and something I'm obviously pretty passionate about there as well. But just, yeah, anyway, have a think about that. Uh, I'm not saying there shouldn't be money for, for, for coach development. I get that. There should be as well. But that's just the smallest example. Like 23 people, you know, you could, even if you wanted to, make it 15 and they all get a car just to, you know, just to make it a bit, you know, a bit of a better salary for them. Um, and you're still, you know, you're still cooking with gas there. Because I bet that's more than what they've got now in Queensland. Anyway, a couple more issues. The crusher tackle, that, you know. Parramatta are faking penalties, by the way. Um, look, look to what Nathan Brown did against the Tigers a couple. Every time they say, oh, no, we're not laying down and milking penalties, just watch the Nathan Brown clip when Sean Bloor um, hit him and he stays down and gets a penalty, jumps straight to his feet and throws the ball and away they go. Um, so they're lying um, as well. I, don't, I wouldn't mind if they were laying down and they just said, yeah, well, we're just doing it to get a penalty. At least be honest about it. Don't, don't sit here and cheat and then lie. It's not a great combo. Do one or the other maybe, but don't do both, for goodness sake. Um, how do you fix the crush attack? Well, you've got, you got to stop backing into blokes. You Stop putting yourself in a, into reverse park and back yourself in, you know, a la Aaron Woods, one of the best at it. Don't do it. Aaron Woods is actually really good at it because he's big and tall and strong. Um, and I don't think he really gets crushed that much. Um, stop doing that and you won't be crushed. So, you know, coaches, stop telling guys to do that because they can stand up for a bit stronger and get an extra couple of meters. And 
I assume that it's harder to get put on your front. It, 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 you don't win a fast play the ball with that. That's the weird thing. Um, I know you can offload a bit easier, but stop the reverse parking and you'll stop getting crushed. You know, simple as that. Uh, Cam Smith, where's he going to go? Oh, well, again, uh, believe it or not, I don't know. Um, a lot of talk about it, though. They're all saying, well, actually, you don't know. The thing the chairman of Melbourne said, if Smith signs and plays on for next year, uh, then they'll keep Harry Grant and Brandon Smith anyway. Uh, I think Cooper Johns came out and said yesterday uh, that simply one of them will go. Um, if he doesn't stay. So I think that's why there's so much interest in it. Uh, Grant and Brandon Smith. If I'm the Storm, I'm keeping Harry Grant. No disrespect to Brandon Smith. I just think Harry Grant is is, is a better player. Um, he's a better dummy half. He's a genuine dummy half. He's a genuine modern-day hooker. Um, and I'll use the analogy, he's, he's a bit more of a... You know, a Danny Badiris, uh, Cameron Smith style of hooker um, that's got a really good passing game, uh, a bit of a kicking game and a genuine hooker. Where Brandon Smith, he's a bit more of a Dean Hallitow hooker. You know, he's sort of a guy that could that could be playing lock or second row, um, probably a bit better suited there. Uh, but if you need to get in at a, at a dummy half, you can do that as well. And if there's an injury or there's a rep game, then he can fill in there. But I, I think that's the way I look at it. And... Um, no disrespect to Dino, love Dean Hallitow. Um, you know, but when he was at his best, it was when Farrah was playing at hooker as well. Um, so, you know, both more than welcome at the Tigers if they want to come. Uh, I don't know. I don't know about Smith. Everyone keeps saying he's going to go to Brizzy somewhere, whether it's, you know, or Queensland, whether it's Brisbane or the Gold Coast. I prefer him at Brisbane, to be honest. Um, just the white and the sky blue of uh, the Titans jersey. I don't know if it would suit him so well, uh, but I think he'd look right at home in a Brisbane jersey. Uh, that's just my read on it. Uh, I guess time will tell. He might have even, by the time he listened to this cast, he might have signed. But more than anything, I think he just stays at Melbourne, doesn't he? I don't know. It's a hard one. That's the whole thing with, you know, sport, isn't it? You know, how, how do you, you know, because you, right here, right now, you just keep Smith. So if you you don't win a comp this year, you still might win one because he's playing so well. But, you know, you, you want to balance that for five years time as well. So what do you want to win one now? You know, win one next year with Smith uh, where you might be sacrificing one five years time. But, you know, who's to say like, you know, Harry Grant or Brandon Smith, you know, they don't go on to play as well as people predict. What, what, who's to say they don't get injured and they're, they're sort of lost to the game? Um, and they sacrifice Smith and they sacrifice getting the premiership and they, you know, they don't get the return on, on what they want from those other guys. Tricky stuff. And that's what, you know, I guess that's um, that's the art of your coaching and your roster management and your X's and your O's and all that sort of stuff. So there you go with the issues. Um, right, okay, we're going to get into a bit of history here. Okay, now, where do I start with this? Okay, bit of history, introduced it last week. Uh, a new segment uh, where I just, you know, just a bit of history, something different, you know, that I bet you didn't know. Now, I'm going to lead a bit of history off here with a question to you all. Okay, I want you to have a think about this. Uh, a couple of people are going to know the answer, all right? So if you're Listen to this podcast collectively. Don't give the answer away if you're in the same room as someone else listening to The Hill. Um, 1991. 
New South Wales Rugby League season. What do you think, which ground do you think had the highest uh, attendance for one match of the regular season? Have a think about it. 91. Uh, Penrith and the Raiders played in the grand final that year. They were strong sides. Uh, Brizzy were always strong. Uh, around 91. Uh, Saints would have been having a good year. Uh, can't really remember who else. Well, it was none of those home grounds. All right. I'll give you the top five. Bruce Stadium was fifth with 24,000. Lang Park was equal third and fourth with 26 and 25. Marathon Stadium, Newcastle, was second with 27,000. Number one, ladies and gentlemen, with 28,884 people in attendance, St. George beat Balmain 16-2. Do you know the answer yet? The Adelaide Oval. Yeah, 1991. So that was still sort of seven seasons, six seasons, sorry, before... The Adelaide Rams came in and the people of Adelaide loved it. Now, I went and looked at a YouTube clip of this game. Uh, a reasonably sort of dour game. Um, 16-2, no tries to the Tigers. It was raining. The point is it was pissing down rain. I won't beat around the bush. It was pissing down with rain. They still got 28,000. Did I say 28 or 26? 28. Almost 29. 28,884. Um... So yeah, like the people in Adelaide, and that's the thing, people in Adelaide like the code, you know, I've been down to Adelaide, I don't know, three or four times, maybe five, uh, in my lifetime, uh, sometimes to go to the cricket, sometimes for other things, both times, no, oh, well, I've been, a couple of times I've been to the cricket, I always see rugby league jerseys in the crowd, usually South's ones, but rugby league jerseys nonetheless, you know, we sort of given up on them when they were sort of, they've sort of always been there. So 1991, and they, they, they wanted some league. So anyway, I sort of you know, started to dig a little bit deeper into what, what was doing with South Australian um, rugby league. Uh, because for those that don't know, the Adelaide Rams came in in, in, in Super League in 97. Uh, and they last, they did, the, <clears throat> they did the 97 season. Oh, well, I think they came, well, they're okay. It was Super League though. Um Coached by Rod Reddy, captain by Kerrod Walters. And then 98, they had a pretty poor season. They finished fourth last uh, in 98. Uh, and then that was it for them. They outlasted the Reds, though, which is strange. Because that's the other thing. Perth has been really receptive uh, towards league as well. you know. And for some reason, then they went into uh, Melbourne in 98. Um, and I, I guess the storm are here now, but... You go back into the history books of South Australian Rugby League, and I bet you didn't know this. Here's, how's this for a bit of history? Great Britain uh, kangaroo tour of 1914. Great Britain defeated South Australia 101 to nil at a place called Hawthorne Oval in Adelaide in front of 2,500 people. 1914. Then they go on to like fuck. They went on to play so many games in that um. Oh, that tour, like, they played... Yeah, anyway, that's not important. We're talking about South Australia. 101 to nil, though. In 1914, so the code had only been around for six years. So 1908, it started. And in 1914, they are already playing in South Australia. Now, it's weird to think that because South Australia was like a... What, a, what do they call it? Like a free state? You know, it was settled without convicts. Uh, yet they had rugby league there in 1914. I tried to look for some more on this. I uh, couldn't really find it. Um... 
in sort of the five minute window I gave myself to research this, but that's beside the point. Um, the other thing I found was that on 11th of August, 1948, do you know who beat South Australia 96 to five also at Hawthorne Oval? Uh, do you know who they played? Do you know who South Australia played? They played Australia. What the fuck? Australia defeated South Australia 96-5 in 1948. I mean, how is it that like... I mean, South Australia, they got a side together, which is great, in the in 1948. It says that the, the premiership didn't even really start in in uh, South Australia. Oh, in 1940, they split in Port, so Port Adelaide, which Port Adelaide is, you know, it's a reasonably sort of, uh, I guess, working class kind of area in, in Adelaide. Um, you know, a bit, I guess a bit similar to a place like Balmain would have been in, in those times. It split its union clubs up into four and, and started rugby league in the 40s. So I don't know what was doing back in 1914. Like they didn't even have a competition going, but they were there playing England, obviously, um, or Great Britain, as it were. But yeah, so they, they sort of, they, they played there in the 40s. Uh, the South Australian representative team was formed in the early 50s. And they, they, they travelled to play South Sydney, but it's all a bit out of whack. They're saying that, how could that be the first team when they got smashed by Great Britain in 1914? What does it say? 1950s, yeah. And then 48, they got beat by Australia. So I'm going to have to do some more research into that. But um, yeah, look, they, they, this, it just proves that, you know, there's been league in South Australia since 1914. You know, we're sort of talking about expansion and things like that. I think it was uncharted territory in 97 or 98. It's been there all along, you know, and that, for, for what I think, you know, it's, we're actually not that far off having a proper national game, really, when you think about it, because it is now established in Melbourne. Um, it's there in South Australia, and every time we go to Perth, uh, it draws a crowd. So, you know, whether they want to get back to Hawthorne Oval, um, which is somewhere, I think, in northern Adelaide, around Bel Air or something like that. Hindmarsh Stadium's there. Uh, bloody Adelaide Oval, but I don't... I'm, it's, Setting it's not about me sprouting off ideas. It's just a bit of history. The ninety-one season, you know, highest um, uh, recorded attendance. Uh, yeah, was Adelaide Oval, and 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 yeah, Australia once played that the Kangaroos played South Australia and beat them ninety-six to five. Ninety-six to five. I reckon it would have been three-point tries. Same as the hundred one and nil. That's that's ominous. Um, France also played them uh, in in the fifties, forty-eight ten in front of 1,074 people. So there you go. Just a bit of history, a bit of South Australian rugby league history for you. Uh, any South Australians out there listening, I'd love it if you were. Get in touch. What's on the scene now? What's doing? Tell me about it. I know the Rams are still about in some way, shape or form. Talk to me. Let me know. Get in touch. At the Hill, Facebook page, all that sort of business. Okay. All right. Pezza, get the music going. Tiger Corner's on. With pleasure, mate. What have I got to say here? All right, well, it was bad uh, against the Roosters. I stupidly talked myself back into thinking that we could be in the eight, which was just a ridiculous error. I know a few people picked that up on the social media stuff, and I appreciate your, your 
you're thinking about that. When I think a couple of weeks ago, I'd sort of resigned myself to just thinking that they were a reserve grade side, you know, just doing their best. And I guess they, they beat another reserve grade side in the Bulldogs by a point and I got excited again. Um, the whole thing about them just being there at ninth and being mathematically possible to get in, I guess it just keeps me there. Like I, I keep telling you it'd be so much easier if they were just, you know, plugged down the bottom of the ladder there. Uh, but anyway, look, my read on it is it, it's all mental with the Tigers at the moment. You sort of go back to uh, like, say, four or five weeks ago, four or five weeks ago. Uh, actually, no, we'll just quickly go back. Well, I said the biggest game that we would play in the history of our club was the 28th of June, right? So I guess a couple of months. The Tigers beat the Bulldogs 34-6. And they usually struggle against uh, teams when they're the favourites. And they did a great job. I thought they turned the corner. They gave an extremely gritty and, uh, yeah, uh, good performance against the Panthers, 19-12. They weren't that great against the Rabbits, but almost came back, you know, 18-10. Things are going well and everyone's going, you know, Imagine's got him going and, you know, he's really, you know, um, putting his, 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 his fingertips on this team and they go out and smash the Broncos, 48-0. Excellent. Come up against Parramatta and 26-16 against Bankwest when the Eels were flying. It was a good account of ourselves. And then all of a sudden, lose the Warriors when we should have won. Absolutely smashed by the Knights, 44-4. Um, I guess we got that Bulldogs victory. And then there was the Chooks where it was just all out to sea. Now, okay, no, I said it's all mental. There's two possibilities. One, it's all mental. And I'm starting to think that maybe that's what it is, is that, you know, uh, oh, because, yeah, after that, you know, the, 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 the noise started becoming that, oh, Madge is too hard on him and all that, you know, he needs to soften it up and all that sort of stuff. And such an easy bullshit thing to say from anyone in the media. But anyway, um, I think it's a mental thing. I, I, I think there's clearly they're trying to move guys on, which they need to do, which is Reynolds, uh, by uh, Packer, and probably a couple of other guys. I think McQueen and Elijah Taylor, but I think their contract's finished anyway. And I think it's only so for so long that players can read this stuff, not really in the paper, but on social media, because they're all there, um, is that, you know, oh, well, the roster's been out of shape. That's the thing I like to say, been out of shape. Oh, the roster's been out of shape. Um, you know, and they're, they're overpaying guys that aren't, you know, giving the, giving the return, which is true. I guess it can only happen for so long that you hear that uh, and it doesn't take an effect on you, I guess. And that's Packer, that's Embi, that's Reynolds. And it must be really hard to, to form like a team spirit when... Everyone in the club knows that the coach doesn't want a certain amount of the players there. Like, it, it can't happen like that. It's really hard to be cohesive and work together when you're not wanted. And that rubs off. And particularly when one of them's the captain, that's a, a weird thing. Um, so that's one theory. And it's just got to them. And I, I, I don't blame them for that. Like, that's... They're not robots. Um, so there could be that. That's one thing that might have happened. The second thing could simply be this. And it comes down to who plays 5-8. And the fact of the matter is Benji Marshall is too old to defend anymore. Now, I'm not saying he can't tackle. One-on-one, I think he still can tackle. But he's moving side to side or his lateral movement, he can't do it. Because he's just that bit slower. And so that's why all the opposition's attack is going down that side. Onto the Tigers' right-hand side. And we're getting cooked 
to bits because he can't move and he can't defend. So if you go, I didn't, I was going to go through and average out the points um, against us when Benji plays, but whenever there's a score put on us, Benji plays. Um, and whenever um, there's a better defensive effort, like the Panthers game when it was only 17 points or uh, like when it was the Raiders game when they only scored 14 points, it's Reynolds there. Um, so we're so much better defensively when Marshall isn't at 5-8 and Reynolds is there, but conversely, conversely, we don't score points when Reynolds is there and we score them when Benji's there. Like, go go through the games if you really want to know this. Go through the games and you'll have a look and you'll see that. And I guess that's that's the whole thing about the game, isn't it? It's, it's a game of attack and defense, offense and defense, if you want to go down that road. Um... And ideally, you know, you want someone that can do both. And the, be- the best teams usually have guys that can do both. Uh, so I think, you know, it-, it could just be as simple as that. Uh, and-, and how do you balance that out? And I kind of like that Madge goes on the on the, on the, on the side of attack before defense because that's not really how league guys do it. Um, but I think it's costing us. And sadly, I think it'll cost us again... Uh, with Penrith, unless we just go down the Tim Sheen's route of just go, just score more points. Doesn't matter how many the opposition score, we'll just score more because um, that's just what they're going to have to do against the Panthers. But it should be a good grudge match. There's a, you know, I think Pasco's come out and said some shit against Ivan, which I like. Um, really fallen off Ivan uh, this year. I sort of got over it a bit until he did that blowing the kisses and that sort of stuff in the last game. I really hope it's a it's a grudge match, and that's sometimes you can look forward to that when the the finals is really all but gone. You can just get a game of footy where you know there is some meaning and some feeling in it. Um, it'll mean something to the fans, and I think it means something to the players too. Because ultimately, all the guys that are that are on their way out at the Tigers. Uh, if you're Mbai, you're Reynolds, you're Packer, even Ryan Madison, they, they should be upset with Cleary because he, he, Cleary was the one that stitched them up. Um, no one else. Uh, so hopefully we can put in a good performance, a good account of ourselves. Um, and it'd just be nice to watch a game and just be in it until the end of the, end of the, end of the sort of 80 minutes. So whether we win or lose, just be in the contest and um, kick your goals. Uh, that's one thing that's been good about the Tigers. Then by started to be able to, able to kick well. So I believe anyway, I, I, because I just I actually walk out of the room when they go and kick goals. Now I can't bear to, to watch it. But that's it for the Tigers. I hope they go well um, against the Panthers. Now, had one question from a loyal listener, Adrian Leung. Um, what's he got to say for himself here? He's been hassling me about oh, a few questions, Sparks. Did you talk about your opinions on Voss? He wants, he wants to get out of me that I don't like Andrew Voss, basically. Um, what's your opinion on Vossi? Uh, I dodged that question last week. He and Pezza have, have sort of come back at me again this week with it. Look, I just don't think Voss knows the game that well, all right? And I just don't like... Um, I don't like his commentary. I don't like that he brushed me on my walk home from Amy Park once when I'd had about 10 schooners and was looking for someone to talk to. Um, and I was walking out of the Melbourne Storm South semi-final from a couple of years ago. Uh, and I noticed Brandy Alexander, um, Braith Anasser and Vossi trying to hot foot it out of there. And I thought, oh, not so fast, boys. Let's have a chat because we had about 15 minutes on the way home, I guess. Um, and yeah, Vossi just were very condescending to me. Um, I didn't rate it. 
Uh, whereas Brandy talked to me for the whole time. He was a legend, absolute champion bloke. Uh, Anasta, believe it or not, gave me very little, which I was actually happy about. Um, but that's my stuff on Vossy, mate. And I just think there's better commentators. I think Warren Smith's a better commentator. I think Matt Russell's a better commentator. Um, I think Ray Warren's a better commentator. But, you know, it's all good. It's all good, Vossy, if you're listening. Don't, uh, you know, don't worry about it too much. Um, that was the main question. Is it going to be State of Origin at the end of the year, or did I imagine that? No, Adrian, you didn't imagine it. Uh, yep, Origin uh, at the end of the year in, in November or something weird like that. So we've got that to look forward to. Um, could even keep the podcast going for some Origin specials there. Uh, I'm looking at the clock there. That's well and truly enough for this week, no doubt. If you've made it all the way to the end, thanks heaps. Really appreciate you listening. Hope you're enjoying it. Uh, if you've got more ideas for the show or questions or criticisms or anything, just get in touch with me onto the Facebook page or the messages. Anyone that's reviewed the show or rated the show, you're a legend. Thanks heaps. Keep doing that because it helps. Um, and other than that, go outside and enjoy yourself some footy and hope your team wins. And I'll see you back here next week. Bye.